living rooms uh, or uh, wherever you may be. Uh, God bless you all. Well, as you know, uh, in light of the recent uh, developments, the status of uh, this uh, COVID-19, this novel coronavirus, uh, we've decided to stop meeting in person at church for at least a few weeks for the month of March. Uh, we are continuing to monitor this, and um, you know we will respond a- as uh, seems appropriate. You know, when we made this decision uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, as the pastors gathered and, and uh, decided what to do, we didn't do this as a response of fear, but truly a gesture of love and care. You know, this is, um, you know, something that we do out of our love for all of you, our church family and our friends. You know, we want to also think of our community and do our part to to try and and stop any transmission um, of this virus. So I hope you understand that's the reason why we're not gathered here this morning. Um, and with that, you know, I, I just, uh, let's, let's open up in prayer and... Uh, Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privileges, the the things that you have given us, Lord. That we're able to leverage technology to be able to to share in this time together, to be able to read your word, to be able to, to lift up our voices in praise, to be able to, to share requests with others. Lord, in this time of uncertainty, um, we pray that you would be our peace, that you would surround each person, that today, Lord, as, as we hear from you, that we would be encouraged, that we would be encouraged and moved to follow after you, Jesus, and to fully submit our lives into the Lord's control. With that, Lord God, we we give you all the glory. We say, even in this time, we, we praise your name. We say, hallelujah. We say, thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, this is definitely a, a time of uncertainty for all of us. Uh, you know, many of us may be upset, so many things are canceled, right? That seems to be the news uh, every day is something else is canceled, or we can just assume everything is canceled. Uh, the NBA, NCAA, uh, many concerts and conferences, and, and even, you know, just uh, family gatherings maybe have been canceled, um, you know, my family was set to, to embark on this uh, amazing missions trip to Africa. Uh, you know, we were going to leave in a little over a week. Uh, my whole family, we were you know ready and excited. And, uh, you know, because of this, all our flights have been canceled and our travel uh, has been postponed. Um, part of our team has gone ahead early. Um, so, you know, we, they, they went ahead early to to Kenya, and actually they're, they're in the process of trying to come back to the United States. And there's been a lot of setbacks, a lot of delays, a lot of flights canceled uh, out of Nairobi and all over the world. Um, so we, you, we really appreciate uh, you to lift up 
um, Christina, my sister-in-law, uh, who's a member of this church, and, and her husband, Dan, as, as they are uh, doing their best to, to make their way back to the United States. So when you uh, lift up your prayers, please remember them. You know, I don't know why God has allowed this uh, pandemic to arise at this time, but one thing I, I am confident in is that he has not left us alone. That as we, you know, continue to, to do our best to, to walk forward, he's with us. And I believe that his promises for us are true, and he really does have great hopes and great plans for our future. Well, you know, if you've been with us at all in the past year, you, you know that we have been uh, taking our time and, and traveling through this gospel of Luke. We have been reading this letter from Dr. Luke to his friend Theophilus. And in this letter, he is sharing everything that he can about the man, Jesus. Every detail that he has found out that he seems he thinks is, man, this is really important. I'm going to share this with Theophilus. And, and we are able to, to really dig in and to get this amazing picture of who our Lord was, how he walked here on the earth, and how he really led the way for us to live a life that was connected to the Father. We've read so far as, as Jesus has, has modeled this. He has, we've followed him from birth into his ministry, and now we are you know, in this final uh, moments of his life. Last week, Pastor Toby uh, began to share in this 23rd chapter the, the section where, where Jesus is actually nailed to the cross. He explained how, how painful this was, how hard it was that as he was nailed to the cross, and what happens is, you know, your, your body weight is sinking you down and you're actually kind of suffocating. So for him to be able to breathe, for him to be able to certainly to speak any words, he's got to use every uh, kind of effort, inch of effort he has and just push himself up and, and speak a few words at a time, right? Through the historical records, you know, we find that it was custom for, for Jewish women that they were allowed to, to give these people who are, are set for execution, they're allowed to, to give them a drink. And this was an alcoholic drink, actually ends up being kind of a narcotic. And, and really the, the point of it is to make it a little more humane, to ease their pain as they are suffering. That was something that uh, these women would do. And, and we know that, um, you know, this is kind of prompted um, by when we read in, in Proverbs 31, it says, Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are anguished. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. So as instructions are, are being given from a father to a son about, you know, these are things that kings do and what they don't do. And one of the things he says is don't, you know, don't uh, get drunk off wine and beer, but instead give that to those that are suffering. In the Gospel of Mark in chapter 15, we read that Jesus was offered such a drink, wine mixed with myrrh, but he wouldn't take it. Although remember, you know, just a handful of chapters ago in Luke 22, as we read Jesus crying out to the Father, asking him, 
if it's possible, would you take this cup from me? That I wouldn't have to endure this, this terrible suffering. But ultimately saying that he was going to follow God's will. That if that was his will, then he would accept it. And we see that he fully accepted that. He embraced that to the fullness. That he didn't take you know, that, that drink. He said, I'm going to take all of this. And so he drank that cup of suffering to the fullest. Now today we, we will complete the chapter of Luke uh, 23. And so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. Um, we'll also have it on the screen, so you should be able to see that on, on the live stream. <clears throat> Luke 23, I'm just going to read 44 to 46. And, and <clears throat> to give you a heads up, this is really kind of where I'm going to be um, focusing today. Um, you know, there's other things that happen in the chapter, but this is where I'm going to be focusing. So if you bring that up and follow along, you could read with me. It says, it was now about noon. <clears throat> it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. So this three hour period, right? For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Here, Dr. Luke, he paints us a picture. He says it was about noon. The sun is overhead. It's probably at its brightest or close to it, right? This is the middle of the day. But from noon till 3 p.m., there's just darkness over this land. And I kind of picture like a focused darkness coming in uh, and just covering that area. Maybe last week you were driving in the rain. Uh, maybe you've experienced this where you're driving on the freeway and you're in one section and it is just pouring rain. You're thinking your windshield wipers are going crazy. And then all of a sudden just opens up and it's like there's nothing, right? It's like this localized, this, this downpour just in this area. And I picture that that, you know, in that land, just boom, right over where Jesus was and everywhere that they could, you know, kind of look around, it's just darkness all of a sudden. Thirty-three years earlier, in that same sky, there was a shining, a bright star that, that signaled that, that, hey, the Messiah is here. But on this day, there's no light. It's just darkness. You know, long before this day, Amos had prophesied that on the day of the Lord, there would be darkness. And he said, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will make that time like morning for an only sun. This darkness may have also physically shown the reign of evil that Jesus predicted. And we read this uh, in the same, um, in, in Luke 22, we read this when, when Judas betrayed Jesus. Remember, uh, Judas betrayed him with a kiss and then they were taking Jesus away. And Jesus says, every day, he's like, man, you guys came to me now to arrest me. Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. But what 
was actually happening in that time, in that three-hour period of darkness when evil was having its way. In that time, Jesus was taking on the responsibility of sin. He's being given the sin of the world that he will bear on himself and receive punishment for. Isaiah 53, 3-6 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering. Some versions say a man of sorrows and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Peter also makes what happened clear when in, in 1 Peter 2.24, he says about Jesus, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And Paul says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I know this is not fully comprehensible by us to think somehow Jesus took on all the sin of the world as if it was his own. He received all that sin. And then for that, he took that penalty. He took on God's wrath for that sin. He took on all of your sin every evil action, every lie, every disobedient word, everything that you've ever done that was away from the Lord, he took on all of that. And then we, re- then we read that at that time, you know, as this darkness has surrounded them in the middle of the day, as Jesus is taking his last moments, his last breath, uh, breaths on the cross, you know, these things take place, right? And as Jesus dies, we read in Luke and also in the other Gospels, we find out that the ground shakes. In Matthew, we read that the ground shakes, that the rocks are split open, the tombs are open, that, that even these dead people, these zombies walk around. I'm serious. It really happened. You can read Matthew 27. Uh, that's a whole nother thing, but... <laughs> Anyways, these things happen, and one of these things that happen is the curtain is torn. This veil, this curtain in the temple is torn or split in two. And remember, in the temple, there's these different courts, there's these different sections, and, and you know, there's this, you know, there's a court where men and women are allowed, there's a court where only men are allowed, and then you have the actual temple, and inside, you know, In the temple, in the innermost part, there is this holy of holies where you had the Ark of the Covenant, where you had this altar. And and only once a year, the high priest was able to go in there. 
to go beyond this curtain, this kind of curtain wall, and to go in there to offer sacrifices. And this guy, I mean, he had to have like rope tied around him because if something was off and he was not, you know, pleasing in the Lord's eye, as he came in there and entered in as a representative for the nation, and God would strike him down. And the other guys would have to pull him out because they didn't want to go in there because they didn't want to get struck too. So they have to take him out, right? And so this curtain, this beautiful, ornate curtain, was 60 feet tall. It was the width of man's hand, so a half an inch, an inch thick. I mean, you can just imagine this solid curtain. It's like a solid curtain wall. And the purpose was just that, to keep people safe, to keep them out of that place. Because that's where God's presence was. And and if they were not there, you know, out of that invitation, then they were going to get struck down. They wouldn't be able to take that on, their human bodies. And that is the curtain. That is the veil that was torn. And it was, it was torn, we read, from, from top to bottom. It's torn. You know, it's as if someone just sliced it with a sword. This is not something that any man could do, right? Can you imagine somebody going up with, you know, first they'd have to get all the way to the top, like 60 feet high, and then how are they going to start tearing it, right? Not possible, right? So all these things are happening right in this moment, right in this time as Jesus is giving up his last breath, right? And we read in this passage today in, in Luke that, that Jesus, as he is, is giving up his spirit, you know, right before that, the last thing that he says is, is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Are you saying, God, Father, into my into your hands. You know, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my spirit. And he gives up his life. And that phrase, into your hands I commit my spirit, that was something that, that every pious Jew would, would know well. They would pray it every night. Before they go to sleep, that would be part of the prayer that they would pray, saying, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then they would trust the Lord as they went to sleep. And here, Jesus, he's entering into the ultimate sleep of death. And he's praying these words. But he does something that that hasn't been done before. He does something that is revolutionary. Because when he prays this prayer, he adds on that, that first part in the beginning. He says, Father, Abba. Maybe you don't think of it as, as like daddy, but this is a very intimate term. You know, I used to talk to my dad, uh, like I just said it right now, dad. So I would say dad. I wouldn't say father, I'd like to speak to you. I'd just say like dad, you know, hey, right? And I kind of think it's like, it's like he's saying, dad, I trust you. Now as I'm facing death, I trust you. I give you everything. Even my life I give to you the very breath of my lungs, I give it all to you. And then we realize as we look back that Jesus shows us what it looks like 
to live life as a child of God. He even teaches us when we pray that we can come before the Lord, this mighty God creator, and we can say, Father, right? When he's put on the cross, what is one of the things that he says? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so we see that he's on the cross. Darkness is ruling. He gives up his spirit to death while trusting in the Father's plan. This curtain or this this veil is torn. This separation, God to man, is torn. And something changes. Something begins to be set in motion. In the middle of the darkness with death of our Savior, we begin to see some early signs of promise. And we read about the centurion, this Roman soldier, this high-ranking soldier who was posted at the cross. He's overseeing the execution of Jesus. And this man, who has probably watched Jesus suffer, he's probably heard Jesus as he's talking to the other two criminals on the cross. Remember, the, the one man is, is mocking him, like, oh, man, you, who do you think you are, right? But the other one is like, wow, Jesus I know you're the Lord, right? And to that man, he says, today I will see you in paradise. And I imagine the centurion has been witness to all of that. And now as Jesus says those words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The ground is shaking. Things are breaking People are probably going, whoa, what is happening here? That this man, this soldier, proclaims, surely this was a righteous man. Or wow, something's going on here. Maybe Jesus really was who he said he was. Or for sure, he was not a normal man. Because I I can't explain this. This darkness, the ground shaking, you know, all these crazy things right as Jesus is, is dying, right? Can't be a coincidence. We don't know if this man became a believer or not. But that realization, that aha moment, wow, this guy was not normal. It begins to bring forward these hints of hope. And really, that's kind of where we end today, right? Is in the darkness, but yet I think there's some, some hints of hope. Now, if you read the rest of the chapter, you're going to find there's other details that, that are absolutely important about how Jesus' body is protected, how it's taken in and put in a tomb, and how uh, the women tend to him, and you know all these things. So I encourage you to read this. But for today and this time, we're going to stop there and, and just sit in that scene. Because I think it's important. The centurion, he, he is not Jewish, obviously. He's a Roman soldier. But in this moment, his eyes begin to be open. You know, I really believe this is that glimmer of hope. That glimmer of hope saying, you know what? The Gentiles, the people that are non-Jewish, like myself and, and, and many of you, that our eyes would be open, that we would see that, wow, Jesus was not just another man. 
He was not some crazy guy claiming things that weren't true. He truly is the Son of God. And so there's hope for all of us. And right after the centurion professes these things, we see that the others, that these Jewish people, the others, they beat their chest. They beat their chest in in this exclamation of guilt, of, of, wow, something's going on. Wow, maybe we were wrong. Wow, Jesus was not just another man. And to me, I, I, I have to stop there because I really feel like that's where we are today, right? The world's going crazy. You know, some of that is, is warranted and maybe it's, I don't know, is it a little over-exaggerated? Is it under? Um, I don't know. People are buying up all the toilet paper, the hand sanitizer, rice, soap, you know, anything you can think of. The shelves are empty and there's panic and chaos. Like I said earlier, sports, most sporting events are all canceled, right? Even churches like us have either been advised or made the choice to stop meeting in person. It really feels like the sky has has quickly filled with darkness and things maybe feel eerily out of control. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we read about how because of what he did on the cross, we find healing. We find hope. And so we proclaim today, this 15th day of March, that has nationally been, been stated as this is a national day of prayer that on this day, we will still praise the Lord. Yes. <laughs> we praise the Lord. We say, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Like our Lord modeled for us, you know, we're able to pray. And I always have some variation in my memory, but... Uh, I'm not sure where you sit, but, you know, in the kind of the older language, you know, we are able to, to remember and maybe pray and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, today there may be darkness, but soon I believe that there will be relief. In due time, there will once again be joy. This is the promise of the Lord, that in every situation, in every place of life, because of what Jesus has done, we are able to come before God, to call him Father, Dad, Daddy. And for us that are found in Christ, we can always say, 
in truth and confidence that the best is yet to come. So today I'm going to leave you with a, a weekly challenge. Um, it's going to come from, uh, you should be able to see it here. Yeah. So usually when we're in service, I tell you to take a picture, but, uh, you know, this is live, but I don't know if you can pause it or not, but, but you can always find it here. I'll, I'll send it out to you ver- via email on Tuesday as well. Uh, but no, read all of Luke 23, read this, uh, this whole, um, scene as Jesus is, is, is brought to the cross and, and he's, he's put on the cross for, for you, for me. I encourage you to think about how is God speaking to you through this passage. Maybe he draws your attention to one detail. Maybe he wants to point something out from this passage for you in this time of your life. And then grow. Think about what are the challenges you're facing today? What are those challenges, right? Take time to think about the things that are within and the other things that are outside your control. In other words, what things that you're worried about, these challenges are things that you're able to affect or you're able to control. Like, I don't like the rain and there's a whole lot of rain scheduled, right? But I can't do anything (laughs) about that. Maybe I bring an umbrella. I don't like umbrellas either, but, um, you know, so... That's something that's out of my control, right? It's something that I tell my kids when they get mad. I'm like, what are you mad about? I'm mad about this. Can you change it? No. Well, as long as you stay mad, you're, you're just having a, you know, a bad time and you can't do anything about it, right? What are the things that are within and outside of your control? And then pray about how you can give up those things that are outside of your control to God. How can you give those things up to God? Finally, overflow. Think about this. How can you bless someone around you? Maybe it's sharing a word of encouragement to friends or family, helping someone get groceries that they need, sharing some toilet paper, hand sanitizer, praying about how you can bring, uh, you know, pray about how you can bring a glimmer of hope to someone in this season. Because I I can tell you, there's a lot of people just like you and I that made me feel like, man, we are right in that place where it was just the middle of the day, not too long ago. And all of a sudden, it feels like there's this darkness. But all of you, you know, you're able to make a difference. You're able to bring some sunshine into someone's life. So I encourage you to think about that and pray. Come on. Because of what Jesus did, because that curtain was torn, we have access to the Father. We're able to come to Him. Let's not ever forget that. Especially in these times, let's continue to come before the Lord, to come before our Dad, and to bring forward you know, all the concerns that we have, all the requests that we have, and also all of our praise. Let's pray and worship Tim. You guys come up and, and we'll, uh, we'll end this time today. Lord God, I, I thank you for I thank you for this time that, that we're able to have. Um, it's not normal that, that we maybe have to gather together uh, you know via live stream, but Lord, you, you are God wherever we are. 
you are still Lord. And you are still on the throne. And you are still in control. So God, we gather together in spirit. We gather together as this community of believers, as a church family. And we say, Father, we put our lives in your control. Help us to have faith to follow you. Help us to to be obedient to your direction, to your calling in our life. And Lord, let us be a light in this darkness. Let us be people that, that even in the middle of chaos, that carry your joy. Because God, we know that our future is bright. That in any situation that we face, we can always say, man, God, you got so much more for me in the future. You got so much better things. God, truly, truly, the best is yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you did on the cross. Amen.